Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Do you want to know the real reason why Grandma got run over by a reindeer? She was running out of the house trying to get away from this show. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. Welcome to December. Yay! Uh, On tonight's show, hey, uh, finish up the Christmas shopping list. And then my guest will be uh, tobacconist and pipe maker Skip Elliott from the Briary in Alabama. A uh, music mailbag and another holiday-related rave coming up at the end of the show. All that on uh, tonight's show. Hey, uh, you know, so, all right, it's no, it's no big secret. I'm somewhat of a big kid, and I think like most of us, I like some of my toys. Uh, one of the things that I have a, a little collection of, a little collection being five of them, uh, is uh, animals that when you push down on them, they uh, poop out a jelly bean or whatever you happen to put in them. So anyway, they're the plastic animals. You push down on them, and out from their backside comes a little jelly bean. In most cases, I just put coffee beans in them because the uh, jelly beans get sticky after a while, and who wants to eat a jelly bean out of an animal's butt? Uh, but for the holidays, in addition to uh, Frosty the pipe-smoking snowman, I have a uh, cow that is dressed up as a reindeer, and uh, she's uh, standing on a pile of snow, and when you push down on her, this is what you hear. And the holidays being, you know, this time of the year, uh, every time I do that, it just makes me laugh. Anyway, she's uh, holding a book in her hand, and uh, she just, uh, you know, part of the part of the fun of the holiday season is I get to have my uh, singing, pooping cow, Frosty the Snowman, uh, and uh, you know, a handful of other fun toys that get to come out and play with once a year. Uh, you know, not like pipes; get to play with those all year long. All right, enough goofing around. Let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company, and here we go. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at SmokingPipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. 
I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. Welcome back. Don't forget Skip Elliott coming up in just a few minutes. All right, for the uh, Christmas gift shopping guide, uh, accessories. Accessories are something that we pipe smokers always need. Maybe it's a uh, maybe it's a fancy tamper. Uh, you know, there's tampers in all different shapes and sizes. There are some very very fine handmade tampers by some artisans, and you can find them on. Uh, websites all around uh one of my favorite ones that i have was a uh, is a piece of uh is a piece of bone scrimshaw that was just a sliver left over and it's mastodon uh mastodon bone i believe um but again you'll find them in all different sizes shapes colors assortments uh you know what even us pipe smokers for uh, stocking stuffers even if it's just a just a couple of uh, 2 or 3 dollar pipe tampers and tools you know I still use just the the basic three piece uh, check pipe tool I still use one almost on a daily basis and yeah I've got four or five of them but you know what if you want to put a couple of those in the stockings for us that's great uh pipe cleaners pipe cleaners always necessary Always necessary to have some uh, regulars, maybe some fluffies if you're doing a heavy cleaning inside the shank. Or uh, bristles are always necessary for heavy cleaning. So, you know what? Eight, ten packs of uh, pipe cleaners. Hey, that'll last most pipe smokers a year. Um, Pipe stands. I don't know how many of you uh, have a way to organize your pipes, but there's all kinds of different decorative pipe stands. Uh, Some super uh super expensive high quality wood with the magnetic balls in them that you know you just put the ball in the pipe and then set it on there all the way down to you know at the basic single pipe stand every one of us that smokes a pipe needs to have either the little folding plastic stand something when we set our pipe down we don't want to just flop it on its side so you know pipe stands are all the way from the uh, from the price of just a simple stocking stuffer to the price of a really classy ornate piece of furniture, we all need those pipe racks. You know what? You want to display your pipes and you want to put them out. Yeah, pipe racks are a great great gift for a pipe smoker. Uh, the other thing is, and I've got one that uh, I've got a pipe ashtray, and it's I mean what makes it a pipe ashtray? I've got a cork knocker taped into the center or stuck in the center of the ashtray but then on the side of it it's got a single pipe stand uh pipe ashtrays you know we need someplace safe and secure to put our ashes if you're only smoking outside i would uh i would highly i'd highly discourage you from getting a glass ashtray uh but ashtrays if you want to get some more uh, uh variation you know what? Go on eBay. Look around at the old ashtrays that are out there. Some of the older style ashtrays from the 50s and 60s, really ornate, classic styling, and you can find some really cool pieces. Uh, a pipe show is where I found my round ashtray with the single pipe holder on the side of it. And uh, you know what? I don't really use it for much of an ashtray, but I do use it when I'm letting my pipes uh, cool down or dry off after cleaning them. 
it's just a good safe place to put them so ashtrays pipe stands pipe racks pipe tampers um, a nice pipe lighter a nice pipe lighter would be a great gift and remember a pipe lighter is a soft flame you know a little flicker in the wind flame not the blue laser jet flames uh, but you want something where you can get the flame out over the bowl so maybe one of those side shot pipe lighters there's some inexpensive ones that are uh, stocking stuffer priced and there's also some uh, really expensive ones that are uh, <laughs> jewelry pieces all the way up into Dunhill. So a whole bunch of variations in lighters. So I got lighters, tampers, uh, pipe cleaners, pipe racks, pipe ashtrays, pipe rests, even just the, uh, the simple folding little plastic ones. Just some place to set your pipe while it's cooling down without having to lay it down on its side. All right, there you go. Um, Hope, ev uh, hope everybody's got a good idea of what to give their pipe smoking uh, people on their wish list. And in just a minute, we'll have a professional tobacconist on who will know more about uh, what to sell you than anybody else. So we'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show and... You know, when I say that there's a lot of really nice people in this hobby and industry, well, most of the time I'm right, and in this case I am absolutely right, because joining us is the uh, tobacconist, proprietor, owner, operator, cat wrangler, and uh, pipe maker at the Briary in uh, Homewood, Alabama, so please welcome Skip Elliott to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Skip, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Brian. I sure appreciate you having me on. Yeah, so, all right, let, let, I, yeah, I've been working on this one for, like, I don't know, two, three years. I mean, right after Reconstruction, we started talking about this. Um, yes. But how exactly, how and when did you open the store? Well... My dad was looking for a great opportunity to do something where he didn't have to work for somebody else. He just wanted to be his own man, and he'd always been a pipe smoker. So in 1974, we moved to Alabama, and we opened up the store. Now, where did you grow up? In Raleigh, North Carolina. Well, that's why I understand your accent. I... <laughs> all right, so, you're, so your dad moved you all down there and opened up a store there? Did he just... I mean, you know, the Homewood's not exactly uh, right on the beaten path, but you know, you are a suburb. Uh, did he just pick that out of the out of the sky and say, "Okay, that looks like a good dot to land in"? Well, not exactly. Uh, both my father and my mother are from here. Went to the University of Alabama, and they. Uh, Dad had always been looking for an excuse to move back down here, and uh, so that's that's how it had evolved. And when it started, 
we were originally we were a tinderbox franchise, and it just so happened that a tinderbox franchise was available at Brookwood Village Mall here in Homewood, and uh, he bought the franchise, and and here we are. All right. So, had you personally smoked a pipe before you guys bought the store? No, no, no. I had not. I mean, you were what about twelve when that happened? I was four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I was twenty-one when we opened the business. I got it backwards. You were trying to pull my leg. All right. <laughs> so. It, and you were going to school for, like, a real career, and then your dad said, nah, come do this. No, no. I went to the enormous Catawba College in Salisbury, North Carolina, for one miserable year, left there, didn't want to do it anymore, and so I, I, I found a job that paid the huge big bucks working retail for Sears. And uh, that wasn't anything to brag about, obviously. So uh, when Dad decided to make the move, I decided I'd go with him. And we, uh, I dropped what I was doing, gave up my great career at Sears, and we just moved down here and started that franchise. We were actually the uh, or one of the original tenants in the mall. In fact, uh, the only restaurant that was even available to us at the time was a Chick-fil-A. And I was already, there was a Chick-fil-A in a shopping center that I'd worked in when I was in high school, and I was already pretty much tired of the, the cuisine. And so <laughs> when we got down here, the only food that we could buy being Chick-fil-A pretty much didn't work for us. You know what I mean? <laughs> So, so, so you, so your uh, your idea of hell is being covered in chicken sandwiches. Yeah, pretty much, pretty <laughs> much. But they do have good lemonade. <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think I ever got tired of that. But the chicken, oh man, I tell you what, that was enough. How long was the store in the mall? And can you kind of talk us through? I mean, you were right there in the middle of. Uh, uh, well, you were there in the end of the mall tobacco shop, and it getting thrown—you know—the tobacco shops getting thrown out of the mall. So, what happened, and how did it happen? Well, we didn't ever get thrown out of the mall. In fact, the uh, one of the guys that uh, there were some brothers that owned that mall, and one of them ended up in my store and was asking me to come back. You know, like the second or third year, we were already in our new location. But but you're right, that was a period of time uh, which was specifically we moved to our new location in, in 1990 and 2000. I don't know where my brain is. Uh, we moved there in 2000, and um, the, the mall was going through a lot of changes. They had remodeled. And they offered me this awesome deal where they said, if you want, to, what we'd like you to do is we'd like you to move to the dead end of the mall, and we're going to charge you the same thing we've been charging you, but you got to buy, got to start renting twice as big of a store. And, you know, there just wasn't anything real appealing about the concept, <laughs> and that's what inspired me to actually leave. So we left found this fantastic uh, old country-style home that, that we are presently in, and which is 
was built in 1899, and uh, we've been there ever since. That was one of the best ideas we ever had. I mean, that is it has been a the right thing for us to do in every possible way. Yeah. So for for a lot of people that don't know, what happened was there was a there was a tinderbox or a tobacco shop in every mall, and then the malls slowly went non-smoking or heavily restricted on smoking and they'd either raise the rent on the tobacco shop in your case they wanted you but they but apparently they only wanted you way out the back door uh right and and in this big dead space that they couldn't give away to anybody else uh right but eventually i'm i'm assuming that that mall in in birmingham went smoke free as well yes it did but that was well after we left and uh Right now, it's going through still another renovation. And I don't really think people who have never had to rent space understand it. But essentially, what happens is they come to you and they tell you they want you to do this. They want you to move. And then you have to spend a minimum of 150000 bucks, and you only have a five-year lease. So if you don't have that, if you had the money on the hip and you could afford to pay for that five, for that for all that expensive building a new store inside a mall, and you haven't got it paid off by the end of the time that, you know, if you haven't been able to pay it off by the end of your five-year lease, you may not get another lease. You could just go away owing people these huge amounts of money, so it, it just does not make sense. Yeah, in uh, in the business term, it's called a CAM or a common area maintenance, or uh, some of them call it upgrade or upfit charges and yeah, you you guys are, uh, yeah, mall retail. Boy, I'll tell you, you think you run your own business? They run you pretty tight. They do. In fact, they charged us. They charged us more in property tax for a six hundred and twenty-four square foot store than I'm paying in the same city for an entire house on a corner lot. <laughs> well, their property is worth more than yours is, apparently. <laughs> They, they thought so. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's talk about the store. I mean, you 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 are primarily a pipe shop that also sells cigars. Is that a good way to describe it? Yes, that's an excellent way to describe it. Although, strangely enough, and contrary to what it seems, the number one volume item in the store is still cigars. But when you, as you already know, since you you've been kind enough to come down and and work in our store for our event, We, you walk into the store and what you see is pipes and pipe-related items. You have to go through a door to get into the cigar room, so a lot of people ask us if we even have cigars. But, yeah, we put our, we, we've always been huge about pipes, and so we put it as the, the very first thing you even see. Uh, quite a selection of pipes on hand. I mean, you know, the, I wouldn't... The day I was there, there was more pipes than than uh, most people should have in a store, but uh, that was because it was the event. But, I mean, a big selection of pipes on hand, a, a substantial collection of tin tobaccos, and then you do your own custom blended stuff? Well, we don't do a lot of that. We do very little, and with, with the impending FDA issues, I don't know the, how much we're yeah. going to be able to do at all, but... Yes, we do a little bit of custom blending stuff. Yeah, and then a uh, smoking room that may or may not have a cat sitting on a couch in there. That's right. 
hope you're not allergic to them if you come in there, but we always have the cat. <laughs> yeah, now, if you don't mind, tell the story of the cat, because the cat kind of, this one adopted you guys? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was uh, about a year ago when we had our the annual event, and everybody was hanging out on the front porch eating chicken fingers and drinking beer, and uh, the cat was looking for a home, and it came walking up, and it smelled chicken fingers, and it said, hey, this is a great place to be. Let's hang out here. You know? So we, I'm sure she got quite a few chicken fingers while she was there, and the next thing you know, she's our cat. and she's So she's been there more than a year now. And uh, she does have free run of the entire store. Yes, and, and the surrounding block outdoors. Yeah. All right, let's back up a little bit. When when you open when you guys opened the store in 1974, what were some of the big the big name pipe brands that you carried? In 1974, it was GBD and Kamoi and eventually uh Camadettos. That was we always did a, little, a few Costellas as well now that I think about it. But yeah, that those were the ones that we did. And, oh, and Sheraton. Sold a lot of Sheratons and Sassinis back then, so there was a, a lot of emphasis on English pipes, but unfortunately, as labor costs went up, English pipes disappeared. Do you remember how much a uh, a really good-looking GBD or Kamoi would have cost back then? Oh, sure. A, high, a fairly respectable GBD or Kamoi in those days is, Usually like forty five dollars, something like that. And I mean that that was that was a lot of money, but it doesn't seem like much nowadays. Yeah, and you know it seems like the first Caminettos we sold were like fifty five bucks. Ooh, you were you were pushing the limit there, weren't you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Savinelli's were you know I remember selling non perils in that in a similar price category, so. 50, 55, somewhere right around in that category at that time. And, oh, yeah, and I remember selling a Dunhill root briar for 135 bucks. <laughs> now, now a Dunhill root is, what, about six fifty, seven hundred dollars $700 brand new? Yeah, well, we don't even stock them any longer, but, yes, I think they are that expensive. Uh, what were some of the more popular tobaccos that back in the in the 70s? <laughs> Oh gosh! Well, uh, when we were we were still a franchise, there was not a lot of emphasis on the tin tobacco. So we basically had had bulk uh, tobacco is is almost always sold. I, I think we probably had maybe a, a dozen tin tobaccos during that time. All kinds of things like three nuns, four monks, uh, Bengal slices that kind of stuff, you know, but then the the tobaccos that we sold were, the English tobaccos are pretty good, and the, the Cavendishes that we sold, uh, I remember when Lane introduced 1Q, which we call Yorkshire, and it was just revolutionary because it was, it was such a, a highly flavored, really unique type of tobacco, and, uh, you know, it took, that was probably about 75, and it it's 
still the number one seller for almost every store that has it anywhere in the country. Wow. All right, that's a good spot. We'll take a break right there. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, pipe making and pipe importing and uh, a whole bunch more with Skip, so stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with uh, Skip Elliott. All right, uh, Skip, you also have, uh, if I remember right, you were the first one to bring uh, Claudio Kaviki's pipes into the U.S. Uh, were there any others that you discovered, imported, found? Well, I wasn't actually the original person who imported them that I know about. I... There was a uh, there is a shop in Denver, Colorado, Jerry's Pipe and Tobacco Shop, that imported them for a apparently a short while before we discovered them at what was the RTDA show, and I bought a bunch of them from him, took them home, they sold great, and then we took we started from oh probably eighty four till just just a few years ago being the importer for them and that kind of played out and but uh they also imported our doors at that time so there was both kavikis and our doors and uh i didn't i never imported any our doors but we sure sold a lot of them back in that same time it was a it was a good thing for us <laughs> um all right now let's talk about pipe making because you also make pipes and uh how did how did you come along to decide that you wanted to make them too well i have always enjoyed doing things with my hands you know it's the creativity associated with it was something that i had not been able to enjoy for many many years so i uh I went about it in a kind of a backwards way. The uh, most people, when they when they want to do something like that, they walk into a store like mine and they'll buy one of those carve it yourself kits and they go home and do it. For some reason, I was so sure that that I could do this and was so confident that I could do it that I just I, I skipped over the original plan and I went out and spent a bunch of money, bought all the equipment and a bunch of briar, and I started making pipes, and it's, there was, I don't know why I was thinking about it that way. If I had to do over again, I'd buy the pipe carving kit, 
and sit over there and work on it with a dribble tool like most people do when they first decide to try this. But instead, I made the investment. And it, you know, it it was a slow learning process, but it's it's been worth it. You know, we've had we've had very good fortunes with it. Um, I enjoy it a lot, and it and it brings out that creativity that I don't get to experience in the other facets of my job. So, so you kind of went into this blind and just kind of bought the equipment, talked to a few people, and said, "Well, I'll, okay, I'll do it." Yeah, I have to admit this is before this was before everybody had forums to go to. Uh, the person that helped me the most, by far, was Mark Tinsky. Yeah. Mark Tinsky, he's a world-class individual if there ever was one, and you'll never meet a nicer guy. And uh, I cannot believe the level of patience he showed with my routine emails that I would send him to find out how to do everything. But I, he stuck it out with me in spite of all those questions, and... Uh, then eventually I got to the point where I was semi-competent, and then I could, I wouldn't have to badger him anymore, and, and I'm sure he appreciates that. <laughs> now, were you already doing uh, repairs and restoration stuff in the store, or were you sending that out? No, I've never done that. Um, uh, on a rare occasion, I'll have a extremely complex stem or something that somebody has broken and they and they don't want to just have a black stem stuck on their pipe when the other one was really elaborate and i have i have replicated the stems trying to save certain parts and things like that that need to be done but no i've never i've never gotten into the pipe repair per se or uh the only cleaning and restoring we do is on the estate pipes that we purchase and uh, sell in our store and on the website. You know, it's uh, there's really not enough hours in the day for doing pipe repairs, pipe making, pipe buying, pipe selling, tobacco selling, cigar selling, and everything <laughs> else that goes with being the kind of uh, business that we are. Well, and and then on top of that. Uh, you also had about a year ago. You had a uh, a, a management uh, shakeup at the store because your uh, your staff kind of had to quit or retire on you, and you'd had them for what thirty years. Yeah, yeah. Everybody quit exactly the same time, and it left my wife and myself as the only people working at the store, and that was a real handful. Uh, but that's been resolved. In fact, uh, uh, we have a, a new store manager who's only 30, and his name's Joe Kimbrough, and, uh, and a part-time guy that does an amazing job for us, Aubrey Rush. And these two guys together have helped me enough to where I'm more comfortable leaving the store from time to time, and um, I get to go home and do some pipe work, which I which just wasn't getting done. You know, it just wasn't happening. I had all the best intentions, but I just, you, you know, the strange thing, Brian, is you cannot make pipes if you don't go in the shop. Really? Yeah. I know. It's hard to believe, isn't it? I, I, I'm shocked. <laughs> I thought you would be. <laughs> yeah, so, so now you're at least, uh, you're back and able to get, what, a day or two in the shop? Yeah. Yeah, in fact, uh, it's the funniest thing. I sold, uh, 
I named one of these pipes a Jawbreak for for Joe and Aubrey, you know. And uh, I sold that one yesterday, and then I sold another one today. And it's very rare for me to have more than well, even it's rare for me to have one pipe in the store. But this time we actually had three. You know, this is the big time. I think I'm I'm in full assembly mode right now. I'm just knocking them out like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you're uh, you're very regular about uh one a week and uh you could sell about uh what oh i don't know four or five a week yeah well i don't get one a week that's for sure no my i have been i don't know that i've ever made 12 pipes in a year wow so, so you really do enjoy that shop time in there alone and uh just working yeah. away yeah, I absolutely love it. I listen to some good music, usually blues of some sort, while I'm out there. And uh, it's, you know, I, I don't know that I'd enjoy doing that as a vocation. But for to supplement our business, it's just really a great thing to be involved in. I love doing it. Have you ever been sitting in your shop and you get in a shipment of pipes and you look at a pipe and go, I can, I, I want to try making that shape, and then... That's the next one that you try? Yeah, that has happened. And I tell you where a lot of times I'll get I'll get inspiration when I go to Chicago. I try to attend Chicago every year, but uh, I don't always make it. Go up there and you see these things that people are doing. And I got to tell you, the last few years that I've been up there, I've not felt inspiration at all. And it's not because the quality wasn't there, but I've seen I've seen so much. You know, I've seen some crazy pipes that are just... I, I'm not... Personally, I love to look at everything, but I, I'm i a little bit too conservative for making very unusual shaped pipes like a lot of the Japanese pipes and things like that. It just... It, it's just not me. I... I don't. I've never even tried to go that direction, and I doubt I will. Well, you know, I, I hate to tell you this, but you know, I thought I've been in the business for a while, but um, you got uh, forty-two years or so in the business, so you've uh, had to have seen a few things here or there. I think I have. <laughs> you, you, you've seen companies come and go, and and uh, and fashions change six times over, and. There you are still selling pipes and pipe tobacco and cigars. Yeah, well, I'm probably the kind of guy nobody would hire, so I don't really have a choice. I just have to hang in there and just do what I do <laughs> until I can't do it anymore. Probably one day Joe will show up at the store, and I'll be dead behind the counter probably, just laying there on the floor somewhere. But, hey, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> well, if I know you, you'll you'll have a smile on your face when they find you. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Browns are such downers, you know. Uh, when a new pipe smoker comes in and says to you, "I want to, I want to smoke a pipe," uh, what kind of pipe do you start them out with, and where do you start them on tobacco? Well, I tell you what, I always like to do. I, the first thing is you go over there and get a feel for whether they're even interested in the pipe that's straight or a pipe that's curved. Sometimes they don't have any ideas. So we discuss the advantages of, of 
which one's the most comfortable, which one's the lowest maintenance, and that kind of thing. And after we get past that, we make that decision about which pipe. I like to cover a lot of issues, probably spend way more time with these people than they want, but, you know, <laughs> that's my system, and I'm sticking to it. And But when it gets down to tobacco, you know, i got to tell you, that's that's a little bit harder for me. I've always found that difficult because you're torn between letting them buy what they want to buy and buy what's in their best interest. So, for instance, if I sell them a highly aromatic tobacco, I don't care how popular it is, there's a certain thing that you know they're going to be dealing with and having to do with things like moisture and heat. Yep. Or if you can convince them and convince them to try something else like a like a nice Virginia or something like that, you can eliminate a lot of that moisture content and make them really enjoy it more, but they the problem is 50% of those people are going to say, well, you know, i got to get something that my wife or my girlfriend likes. And I'm thinking, well, she's not really smoking the pipe, is she? <laughs> but I, I get it. I get it. So the thing is, if you get a guy interested in smoking a quality tobacco, you have good chances of that customer staying with you for a very, very long time. If you if you sell them the kind of tobacco they're immediately attracted to, you never know. You know, I mean, it's just that's the problem. You can't beat the system. And I will I will confess that more often than not, I just let them go with whatever they think is the most appealing from a aroma standpoint, even though I know it's not really in their best interest. You know. I just think that, you know, if I in a perfect world, the only thing we would have, we'd have Virginias and we'd have English tobaccos in the store, and we'd dropkick everything else. It, it'd make it so much simpler. <laughs> well, in in my perfect world, you could leave all the English out at the curb with the uh, with the with the leftover cat food too. Uh, well, you know, Burleys, we have a few Burleys, but Burleys invariably seem to end up being used for people to combine with something else. As far as just selling them outright, I, I don't ever remember them being all that popular. So it does. You know, most people put that in there with the cat food, too. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's challenging with the tobacco. Actually, I find selling them a pipe's a lot easier than selling them tobacco. Well, you've been doing it for over 40 years. You're still in business, so you must be doing something right. I guess. I think <laughs> I'm just so persistent. You know, I'm just one of those guys who does not like to throw in the towel on anything. I had a, um, what was the name of that uh, uh, that story in Greek mythology? Sisyphus, that's what it was, about the guy pushing the big rock up the hill? Yeah. Okay, so... I was making a pipe one day that was I just was in love with, but there were some problems that developed with my engineering, and I worked on that same part of that pipe for weeks, literally. Every time I went in the shop, that's all I did. I tried to get past to, to make this perfect, because in my world, I don't like pipes that will not pass pipe cleaners. And I don't 
for most people it really doesn't matter, but for those that care, then it becomes a problem. So when I make something personally, it has to pass a pipe cleaner. And this one, I just flat could not make it happen, and it should have. And I worked on it for weeks, and finally I just I just gave up. It's still sitting in a box out there with one of the most beautiful sandblasts you've ever laid your eyes on, but I didn't feel good about selling it, so it's never going to see the light of day. <laughs> All because of that stupid air hole problem, you know? Well, let, let's, that's me. Let, yeah, let's just all be glad that you don't make your living as a pipe maker, because you'd, really? you'd, be, <laughs> you'd have eaten the cat. Oh, man. <laughs> My wife thinks I'm totally insane. I'll, I'll, I'll bring out a pipe that I've been working on. I'll be so excited. I'll have made some change to it. And I'll say, honey, look at this pipe. What do you think? And I see this stare. <laughs> It looks just like it did last week. <laughs> 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 and unfortunately, I, I have a, a I have a name for this. This is called the curse of Sarah. And Sarah's my mom. My mom is like that. You know, everything that she's very, very artistic, but every single thing that she's ever done was just painfully laborious and it takes forever. And, and the approach, the approach, Brian, you just can't, cannot imagine. Like, for instance, uh, I'm at her house one time, and there was this huge shrub that was over there. And the shrub was had started encroaching into the driveway, and she asked me if I'd cut it for her. So I cut the sucker down. Now, directly behind her house, there is a wooded area. And my intention was to drag the whole thing into the woods and let it rot. And I'm standing over there getting it prepared to drag into the woods when I noticed someone standing directly behind me. And she had a little pair of clippers, and she was clipping off individual little tiny little bitty limbs off of this tree and bagging them up. And I said, hey, Mom, you know, if I just drag this sucker down in the woods and leave it, it'll rot. And we won't have to pick up all these limbs that you're cutting off of it. Oh. <laughs> so that sounds like me and my pipe making, and I hate to admit it, but it's that bad. Yeah, it's really that bad. Oh, <laughs> uh, but, but you've got a great shop. Um, the website is the Briary, T H E B R I A R Y dot com, full of pictures of pipes and all kinds of stuff. There's even a, a gallery of uh, Skip's past pipes. Um, do you have a uh, you have your annual event coming up in February again this year? February eighteenth. There you go. So. If you can get down to the Birmingham, Alabama area, if you're passing through, this is one of the rare pipe shops that happens to also sell cigars, and uh, you need to stop by. Uh, Skip, we will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is your favorite pipe? Well, Elliot pipes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, did you make one specifically for you once? <laughs> no, never have. But uh, but in actuality, since we don't get many of them, I do end up selling the most popular pipe in the store right now. Has got to be Northern Briar. Well, that'll keep Ian happy. Oh yes. And what is your favorite tobacco? Uh, Fifty-one hundred. And what is your favorite drink? Sweet tea. <laughs> there's, there's a good North Carolina boy for you. Uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Uh, music. And the last question, and this is going to be really tough for you. I'm sorry, but everybody gets it. Uh, do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about yet? Yes. Yes, I do. It's watching my father sitting in his chair in his house, falling asleep, and only waking up when the, when he ran out of tobacco. There you go. So he totally could smoke his pipe while he was asleep, just as effectively as when he was awake. Never seemed to bother him a bit. So wait a second. He would fall asleep in his chair, puffing on his pipe, and still puff on it, and then wake up when it was empty? Yeah, yeah, because then, of course, the mash would go up his throat, you know, <laughs> and it made him cough and hack, you know, so. That's my all-time favorite pipe smoking issue. I, I I couldn't tell you how many times I saw this happen, and most people find that very hard to imagine. But it was just so natural for him; he just did it. You know, it was like all his all his tobacco was apparently soaked in some in, in kerosene or something, so that it would stay lit. You know, because it stayed lit, and he didn't have to even give it any thought whatsoever. You know, you've known me for a while, and uh, most of the listeners have heard me over and over again, but that has actually left me speechless. <laughs> Are you trying to tell me you couldn't do that? Uh, no. Are you kidding? The minute I'd fall asleep, my mouth would open up, I'd start snoring, the pipe would end up in my lap, my pants would be burning, but I'd still be asleep. <laughs> we Oh, well, years before everything got so crazy about non-smoking he and i were in la and he put a pipe in his pocket in his sports coat as we walked into the airport and he couldn't he said well you know i know they don't want me to smoke in here although they had no signs he gets all the way in we sat down at the booth where we were waiting on our flight and he starts laughing and i said what's so funny and he says look at my pocket and I look over there, and he's got this smoke is billowing out of his pocket. That pipe is still still sitting in there, smoking away after walking all the way across the airport. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> well, all I can say is that the uh, the year plus of badgering you to come on the show has been well worth it. Uh, again, anybody stopping through the Birmingham, Alabama area, you need to, you need to stop in and visit Skip and say hello to him. Uh, Skip, happy holidays to, uh, you, the family, uh, the guys at the store and, uh, Pat the Cat. Well, thank you, Brian. I really appreciate you having me on. And I will be unspeechless when we come back in just a moment. 
craftsmanship, history, tradition. These are the hallmarks of all quality products, from the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany. Denmark has been the one country in the world where craftsmanship, history and tradition have for centuries created the finest pipe tobaccos in the world. Since 1887, the Halberg family have led the pipe tobacco industry through their ownership of Mac Baron Tobacco Company, and they continue to create the most sought-after blends in the world today, just as they did over 100 years ago. In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on earth, Mac Baron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose-cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Baron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of Modern Virginia from Mac Baron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere. This is Internet Radio. Welcome back, and I'm uh, no longer speechless, but I'm also um, trying to think, you know what, I wonder if I could fall asleep with the pipe in my mouth. Anyway, uh, if you get a chance to stop by and visit Skip in uh, down there in Alabama or check them out on the website. All right, for music, we are going a little more traditional and we're going back to the Newsboys and we're going to Oh Holy Night and of course the Newsboys featuring uh, pipe maker guitarist Jody Davis. Truly, He taught us to love one another. 
that is from the 2010 album Christmas A Newsboys Holiday. It's a uh, five-song EP, so if you want some holiday music, check that out. Mail call! Gather around, everyone! All right, a few things to get caught up on in the mailbag. Going back to a year ago with uh, Coach Howard on, uh, Bluegrass Brian writes, as a lifetime denizen of Louisville, I can say that Mr. Schnellenberger is a local legend. Having played at UK and coaching at the University of Louisville, he basically propelled the Cardinals to the highest level in the school's history at that point and laid foundation for their success in future seasons. His name is synonymous with quality football and top-tier personality. I was able to meet and shake his and shake hands with him when I was 16. Such a presence he has. Yeah, and really cool that he's a pipe smoker and uh, you know, was willing to come on and talk about it. Uh, not so long ago, going back to last week, uh, Chris writes, Hey, Brian, greetings from Vail, Colorado. Have been enjoying the shows. I love the Ives music one or two shows back. Uh, Charles Ives is a greatly un, uh, underappreciated American composer, and so the more of him being played, the merrier. I always look forward to the show and listen with a full pipe. Cheers, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, I, I had not known anything about Charles Ives until my dad said something, and then I started poking around. Um, Death Metal says, I enjoy how the show presents many different facets of the pipe-smoking world. And that goes without saying, there are many different facets to this world, and most of them are the people in it. Uh, Casey Ghost writes, I've been a little remiss in writing, the, in writing these things up. It was a great show. The segment on pipe parts was quite useful. You might mention to people to join their local pipe club. There you go. Yeah, if you got a local pipe club, join one. If you don't have one, start one. It just takes uh, you and one other person. Uh, Dan goes on to write, uh, the Jim Deshane Deshane was quite interesting, though I don't hunt myself. The section on him going hunting was quite interesting. Uh, Jim came to the KC Pipe Show last year and was very enjoyable. The pipe rave was very good. Nice to throw a shout-out to a homeboy who does good on in his neighborhood. Um, the other thing I want to mention is uh, it's amazing how many times the names Mark Tinsky and Tim West come up when you're talking to uh, pipe makers that have been helped at their launch, and uh seems like those names come up an awful lot. Must be good guys. Um, Howard writes, in reference to your recent rant about the cruise ship smoking situation, we went on a Thanksgiving cruise on the Regal Princess and they had a very nice cigar lounge and an outside smoking area. The problem was one could not smoke cigars or pipes outside and the lounge was used by the cigarette smokers. I was able to find a corner with mostly cigar smokers, but occasionally a cigarette smoker sat there. I did actually have a nice conversation with a fellow pipe smoker, but only saw him once in there. I find it interesting that he goes through about a pound of tobacco in three weeks, which seems like a nice life if you had that much smoking time. Thanks for the show, Howard. Uh, Howard, you're welcome. And yeah, to be able to go through a pound a week, and then uh, you guys were on a cruise and you only ran into each other once. Um, it is a shame that uh, Princess won't let you smoke a pipe or a cigar on uh, in an outdoor area, which just doesn't make any sense. Um, I didn't have that problem when I was on the last ship. All right, and the uh, last thing of a, uh, of a sad note, uh, Benjamin writes uh, that Tewksbury and Company, the home of Hobbit Weeds, is, Hobbit Weed is shutting down its business in uh, Colorado there. And... Uh, 
they'll shut down December 17th. Um, the owner is retiring, and they couldn't find a new owner for the shop. Uh, same thing with uh, Wingenroth's in uh, Pennsylvania. Same story. And as I as I told him, uh, as I told Benjamin on the uh, yeah, some of these some of these older shops, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to find people that are willing to take them over or buy them. And uh, you know what? If a guy's got forty years in, fifty years in, somebody like Skip, Skip's going to keep fighting. But uh, some of these guys, it's just a the FDA stuff is just a good sign for retirement. Um, again, with the FDA, we don't know much. We probably won't know much more new stuff until uh, March. And uh, as far as the rumors of the FDA or the Center for Tobacco Control being defunded, that wouldn't happen until maybe next October or November when the new federal budget comes up. But probably wouldn't have much of an effect anyway because the FDA is funded all by user fees. Those of us that they regulate, they charge us. And those user fees have come out, and you'll start to see or hear rumbles about them. All right, uh, next week's show, 100% pre-recorded because I'll be on the road for the entire Monday through Saturday. And uh, other than that, we'll keep the shows rolling for you every Tuesday night. 8 p.m. Eastern time is when a new one goes up. Uh, try to give you a little respite for the holiday. In just a minute, another holiday rave. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellAndDeal.com. Cowboy. Cowboy. This one goes out to all of you volunteers out there. In particular, the volunteers that I'm thinking of are the ones that volunteer with uh, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, or uh, Boys and Girls Clubs, or Youth Rec Leagues. All of those people, we, my life has been touched by. Uh, my wife is a volunteer with the local Girl Scout district. She's been working with them and volunteering with them for uh, 14 years now, since our daughter started in Brownies. All these volunteers do this out of the goodness of their own heart. Who hasn't been, who in their youth hasn't participated in Cub Scouts or Girl Scouts or some sort of youth rec league or gone to something where there was somebody that volunteered? All these people giving their time 
helping to uh, shape the youth of tomorrow. I know there's tons of other things that people volunteer for that I'm missing, but these are all people that are just trying to uh, do what they can and help out in the best they can. And I think at this time of the year, at the holiday season, if you know of somebody, if you have a child that's involved with a uh, with the scouts or with some sort of youth rec league or something like that, it'd be nice if you remembered the volunteer leaders. Uh, I coached a basketball team that my son was on. It was all my time, all volunteered. Uh, just remember them, maybe with a $5 Starbucks gift card. Just something simple, just to say thank you for your time. Thank you for what you're doing to help out with our kids. Um, and even more importantly, you know, thank you for what you're going to, what our kids are going to remember in the future. All right, another show in the books. Remember, if you would like to advertise on the Pipes Magazine radio show, contact Kevin Godby, Kevin at PipesMagazine.com. Have any questions or comments, you can email them directly to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Post them on the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com. And I hope your uh, pipe is keeping you warm as we hit wintertime and the cool weather is upon us. And hopefully you get to have a a few moments of respite with your pipe during the uh, hectic holiday season. Uh, Thank you to Skip for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. No, 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 not you. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to the Bum, 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 bum